Wildfire Podcast is an extension of Wildfire Ministries, an organisation that has a focus of igniting men and women of God into a deeper discipleship with Christ, instilling them with a passion to radically and relentlessly pursue Christ wherever that leads, that God's truth will spread like a wildfire. Hey everyone, and welcome to another podcast. I'm Luke and I'm joined with... Peter. So the hardest things about this podcast, you would say, is coming up with like, you know, little intro, little discussional point. You yeah, know. you most times we just leave it without it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, but this week we wanted to talk about something that probably everyone is talking about. You know, girls, guys, you know, everyone, <laughs> no, no matter what. And that's uh, Zack Snyder's well, Justice League. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just wanted to talk about it, to be brutally honest with you, Peter. We've been talking about it all night, so this is just us recording like 30 seconds about it. Uh, but really, really good movie. Hashtag restore the Snyderverse. <laughs> just, this is so bad. People think, it's really, like people are like skipping oh, this. Really but we don't care. It was a great film. There was an amazing scene. Moving on, because if we talk about this anymore. But uh, we'll up I don't even know what term you just used there about the Snyderverse. Let's move on. Yeah. Hey, Peter, what are we talking about? We're, going to talk about... We're so sad. Yeah, we are. What are we talking about? We're, well, hopefully... Well, the movie was four hours long, so hopefully the podcast don't feel that long. It's uh, Colossians. Yes. Okay. So another book of the New Testament, written by Paul, I believe. Yep, yep, yep. So this is a part of the epistles written by Paul. Also alludes to Timothy being there with him. So, you know, again, that idea of a mentor-mentee uh, relationship. Paul addresses what many perceive to be just contemporary issues uh, uh, relevant today. That is Eastern religions and what they offer to a Christian. So it's very, very useful. So what Colossians is talking about is very applicable to today, basically, is what we're trying to say okay. about um, Eastern, Eastern Orthodoxy and um, different religions and different ideas that are infiltrating. Okay. So what else? Any other context? Uh, well, probably best to say it was written around 60 AD is where most scholars put it up, which is about, again, about 25 years after Christ's uh, ministry. And the whole expansion of the church, well, the whole beginning of the church. Okay. Um, so it's around there, like most of the letters. Um, and then, so Colossians is written to the church in Colossae. So again, like most of the letters of the New Testament, Ephesians is written to the church in Ephesus. Corinthians is written to the church in Corinth. So Colossians. Yeah, we were talking about this. You're like, yeah. come on, like you should know that. This would be a better opening. Than yeah. what we <laughs> no, stick by the opening. Oh. Um, so basically, that's something I was like, Corinthians, Ephesians, why are the letters ascribe these titles? And then basically it's to do with geographical location. So it's a letter literally written to the place. Yeah, I couldn't believe you didn't know that. Well, there you go. Yeah. And there's a lot of people who didn't know that now, and now they know. Ephesians, Ephesus, Colossians, Colossia. Colossia? Is that how you pronounce it? It's Colossi. Oh, maybe I was just maybe in Northern Irish, I don't know. Uh, I'm not going to stand by that. One or the other, one or the other. Yeah. Uh, it once was an important trade route, so, uh, but but now this the context of this letter is written to a very... Uh, Colossi was a small town. I'm just going to keep calling it that, so... <laughs> it's like um, that kind of side. Yeah. Colossi, there was a large Jewish colony, um, so there was this idea of a constant influx of ideas and doctrines from the east of Colossi infiltrating this area. Uh, it has been described as scholars as a fertile ground for religious speculations and heresies. Okay. Um, and then because of that, it's much like today, where we're just being bombarded with all these new ideas, philosophies, the whole idea of postmodernism, um, where there's just tons of new ideas out there and there's no absolute truth. Like, mm -hmm. what, is the, what is the truth? Mm -hmm. um, or so they say, anyway. Yeah, so the emergence of progressive Christianity as, as well, uh, quote-unquote, uh, so how they come up with different interpretations um, that deviate, deviate away from sound sound doctrinal teaching 
So, so Colossians is really helpful and amazing in addressing the above issues as we've highlighted. So uh, it gives us insight into how to approach people who differ to us, how do we approach to people who espouse uh, what is not biblical uh, and how we, re- how we respond. Uh, so Paul presents the threat of a pluralistic attitude and the threat of syncretism, which is basically this idea of amalgamating and merging religions, which is really just something that society loves to do to it. You know what I mean? This is a good idea. This is a good idea. Let's merge them. <laughs> uh, a lot of compromising going on. Okay. So this is the environment that Paul and the context that Paul's writing in. So it's really helpful for us today, I think. Yeah. So good. chapter one, Peter. Yeah. So we'll start with this verse. It says, in the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. Um, so this is just an example of how we know the church was expanding. Like this is the period of rapid expansion. You've got, I think it's three, is it 3,000 or 5,000 in the day of Pentecost were saved and baptized and added to the church. And um, we're going to go 3,000, just William Conservative in that one. Okay. Um, but that's and I'll not... widen the net, I think 5,000. Okay, there you go. Because <laughs> I don't know. Okay, um, but that's just the day of Pentecost. And then all those people think about it, those were all Jews coming from other lands for the festival of Pentecost. They were mm-hmm. all sent back out to all their, all their home, to hometowns and home countries. And then they were able to share the gospel there. So yeah. even even regardless of the persecution as well, that was where the exactly. expansion was at. So talking about around 33 AD was uh, Jesus. And then now this is 60 AD. So it's very just very interesting that the church is literally growing throughout the whole world in 30, 30 years time already. Mm-hmm. And, now, and then we see that it just goes from strength to strength, even despite the constant persecution and repression of the religion. It's now one of the largest religions in the world. Yeah, and even even today, the place, the country where uh, Christianity is growing the quickest is China, where you could argue persecution is, some, is the worst. Yeah, yeah. So uh, another verse that is in chapter one is, you learned it from... Peter. Epaphras. Epaphras, thank you. Our dear fellow servant who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the spirit. This is a common theme that I find throughout reading Colossians. There's this idea of camaraderie, brothership, admonishing one another, encouraging one another, spurring each other on in what actually matters and that is advancing God's God's kingdom. So Paul does this a lot and we'll see that in the last chapter as well. Um, but we don't have Paul writing for us, encouraging us. We should have other believers um, but even at that, you might think, I just don't think I have anyone in my life like that. The reality is we all do, and that is the Father. And we read of this in Hebrews 6.10. For God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love that you show him by caring for others and continuing to do so. Or 1 Corinthians 15. Be strong and immovable, doing everything enthusiastically for the Lord, knowing that nothing you do for the Lord is ever is ever wasted. Yeah. It's just a fundamental reality that God is always there and seeing everything that we do for him. And then I was, I was reading, well, we were studying in our community group last night in Acts chapter six, and it talks about the, so the disciples were too busy preaching yes. to deal with an issue that come up in regards to feeding all the people equally, especially okay. the widows. So they had to appoint men to take this role and just basically feed people and spread the food equally. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the requirements in Acts 6, it's like they need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with wisdom and all these things. Like they're literally just giving out food. They're like yeah, glorified like chefs, uh-huh. essentially. Not even, they're not even cooking the food probably. And they need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and all these other things. So it's just like part, you have to be faithful and minister like, to those around you and, and then encourage them as well and fill them into these roles. Yeah, amazing. Um, uh, more verses uh, on this are giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. What do you think of that, Peter? Um, I guess 
a lot of the issues around uh, I might this might be a bit abstract I don't know this is just kind of what came to mind just so you can correct me if I'm love wrong it. just go for it I think a lot of the issues around mental health is we're not actually joyful for what we do have so you can say I very easy to look at the world and say and I'm probably guilty of this as well I'd rather have this I'd prefer something more um, but if you're just thankful for what you actually have and give thanks to the father then you will become more grateful in any circumstance you have um, mm-hmm. yeah like we're speaking from personal experience in yeah. our life it's just uh, I find that in positions or times of sadness, what really helps me is to actually look and be thankful of what God has given me yeah. and to rejoice and be joyful uh, and and give thanks to the Father. And then just talking about how we get to share in the inheritance of the kingdom of God, mm. which, you know, I feel like you have to say verses like 10 times, truly understand the gravity of what we're actually being <laughs> offered yeah. here, mere humans. Um, so, uh, I, I'm sorry, before you continue, I've heard it, continue. I've heard, I heard it put this way today, actually. It's uh, for those who aren't saved, <laughs> Earth is their heaven, but for those who are saved, earth is their hell. So if you're a Christian, this is the worst it can possibly get for you. Okay. But if you're not a Christian, this is the best it can possibly get for you. Yes. So that's just a way of putting it, depending on your point of view. Yeah, I get you. I get you. Um, and so we read on about how he has rescued us from the, that is God, has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Again, Paul is just alluding to the gospel message. It's just central in everything. Uh, our forgiveness of sins, uh, the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross for us and how we've been offered eternal life. And it's something that we should honestly just never get exhausted by hearing. You know what I mean? Like these guys are going, oh, they're talking about the gospel message again. Yes, and we will continue to do so because it is literally unbelievable. And Paul talks about it nearly in every epistle uh, about uh, just how mind-boggling it is. Yeah, so the next verse would be, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Okay. It's a lot of profound theology in that verse, but how would you, what do you take from it, Luke? Um, well, basically, in one verse, it seems to refute religions such as Mormonism and Jehovah's Witnesses. So that's, is that talking about the other religions that in our day that may have influenced exactly. the church? Exactly. So, uh, but yeah, Paul is definitely writing in, in a lot of time where there's a lot of different views upon Jesus and his body and uh, whether it was truly physical or whether it was all spiritual. And Paul is responding to these heresies the same way we need to respond to the heresies of today, such as Mormonism and Jehovah's Witnesses, whereby um, basically they perceive Jesus as not as God, as in one. They see uh, Jehovah's, Jehovah's Witnesses, for example, say that Jesus is a God. Um, and that Mormonism also say that Jesus is not God. So it's the idea that Christ is the visible image of the invisible God, it literally just says it yeah. there and then, amongst so many other patches, passages such as Philippians 2 mm-hmm. and John 1. Yeah, okay. And then verse 19 says, God was pleased to live in Christ. Um, so what do you take from that? Yeah, so basically there was a religion that was really widespread at this point called Gnosticism. Uh, and they had an emphasis on really just talking about how Jesus didn't have a physical body, how it was entirely spiritual. Uh, and... But Paul had a real emphasis, not only in this, but in, in Galatians as well, about how God lived within Christ and how Christ was a tangible figure. He was human. And it's that whole idea of we need both humanity and God to restore uh, hu- humanity to God yeah. in order for us to establish a relationship with Jesus Christ. Even on a lesser level, like just on a per- personal level, I think, Gnostic thinking, you know, it had kind of influenced my thinking, like unbeknown to me. It was, I always thought, once you go to heaven, you're just a spiritual being. That's just, there's no more physicality. But whenever you read on the Bible, you realize the ideal, even in Eden, 
was actually that we'd be spiritual and physical beings as one. So the yes. system where you try to, I think you can correct me if I'm wrong because you did A-level already, but it's, <laughs> it's not the, the idea that we need to break free of our physical... Yeah, there's this eradication of the physical. Yeah, but and, but God's ideal is that we are both physical and yeah. spiritual beings. Yeah, and if you even think of, again, so Paul's defending it towards Gnosticism and the religions of that time, but even today, Buddhism, Hinduism, uh, and other more... That I deal with the mysticism or spirituality as in becoming one with the universe mm-hmm. as such through meditation and this idea of nirvana, self-extinguishment um, within Buddhism. So that idea of eliminating yourself and just becoming <laughs> completely absent with earthly material things. Yeah. Um, so, so Paul's obviously speaking against all of that. Don't, <laughs> yeah, don't do that. There's an emphasis yeah. on the physical. Uh, and Paul also says that we are to be holy and blameless. Paul also says to continue to believe uh, in this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away, yeah. as in be immovable for yeah. Christ. Yeah, so that's just like we need to be... Truth is uncompromisable. We can't compromise on truth at any point, um, regardless of who we might, who we might offend, um, mm-hmm. because that's the most important thing, especially truth about the gospel, about Christ. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, I think we'll actually move on to chapter two. Sounds yeah? good. Yeah. Happy enough. So what, what do you think of chapter two whenever you're reading it? Anything so, stand out? Chapter two, again, we'll just go, go through a few key verses here and just talk about those. Um, so verse two is actually addressing uh, Colossia and, um, and Laodicea, uh, which is that another city looking nearby? Or another uh, yes, I'm pretty sure it's adjacent to Colossia. Okay. Um, but it says, I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. So, sounds a bit lovey-dovey look what's, uh, what's the crack <laughs> again there is strong expressions of love but again you have to define you know how there's agape unconditional love storge protective love filio etc uh, and and what Paul is emphasizing is here is that you've got two different towns or or, or even cities in later passages cultures and, and, as well probably yeah epistles and God is talking about how we need to be knit together in strong ties of love. Uh, there's an emphasis for the church to be unified and to be one body. Psalm 133 says, brothers um, should live in unity together. Or Romans 15, may the God who gives strength and encouragement also give you a spirit of unity. And then also an amazing passage is John 17, which says, Jesus is saying, just as me and the Father are one, that is the Trinity, so you should be the church. And yet, whenever we look in today's, in Paul's environment, when he's writing, there was divisions going left, right and centre. And in today, there's divisions constantly. Uh, and there's that idea that we should be unified in God's love alone. That does not then mean that we then compromise on truth. Yeah. They walk hand in hand. Yeah. So we try to unify as much as possible when it comes to the, uncom- yeah. the things we don't compromise on, then that's what we Yeah, of course, hands. we unify together, but yeah. unity comes through truth. Yes, of course. We can't unify if we don't even... They're synonymous. The They're yeah. synonymous, yeah. Of course. Um, and then verse four talks about well-crafted arguments. So even we realize in this time, there's people who are coming up with so-called well-crafted arguments, things that seem very logical or reasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, even today, we've got a lot of like modern thinkers who would say, okay, the Bible is wrong for these reasons, and they're able to present their opinions very eloquently. But we need to actually look at the truth behind those ideas. And uh, yeah, like we talked about the start of the first Peter 3, Paul talks, uh, Peter talks about defending your, defending your faith. Yeah, exactly. So... And again, verse 8 reiterates this. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Again, so often in that society, people were embellishing the truth. uh, People were deviating away from the truth. uh, And people were coming up with their own philosophies, their own human ideas, their own traditions. And they were treating these as the objective 
That's incorrect, Paul's saying. And as as today, we hold on to what God's truth is and we hold on to that alone. Yeah. Um, And then verse 7 says, So then just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Nice verse. Yeah. (laughs) It's amazing. To continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him. So to me, that was... I like that imagery and I thought it was referencing or alluding to John 15 where Jesus says that he is the vine, God, the vine dresser uh, and, and how we are to abide in him. We are the branches and uh, it's basically talking about being rooted in Christ then you cannot be shaken. You can't be what James says to be like a wave tossed by uh, mm, yeah. like an ocean. Um, so again, you're getting the same principles here about these Eastern Orthodoxies coming in and infiltrating. Okay, but Paul is saying, no, don't drift away. Be strong and movable yeah. for the faith. Stick to the gospel. Yeah, that's exactly. And God's telling us to hold to the truth. That, like, that's one of the central themes, I think, in, in Colossians. Um, what, what else do we have? Again, key verses are, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules, which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Yeah, what's that talking about? Is that talking about like uh, in terms of legalism or... Yeah, Paul's addressing like, within two verses, Paul's addressing legalism, pietism, mysticism, ascetism, isms, every ism you can think of. Yeah, I have no idea what the are, so... Uh... He's basically just, like, for example, whenever you think of Jesus teaching uh, against the Pharisees and the Sadducees, this idea of legalism, pietism, Jesus is saying you're missing the central message of why the law was given in the first place and how mm. it was infused with love. And God was saying how love and unity, this is the central issue. And these rules and regulations and human traditions that you, the human, are coming up with, they're so unnecessary. They perish. Uh, Christ is the fulfillment of the law anyway of the Old Testament. Anyway. Exactly. And we see that within, again, the context that Paul's writing, there was so much ascetism that people were coming up, like Montanism was another religion. Basically, the, this, the idea of subjugating yourself to strict uh, ascetism, imposing uh, the idea of fasting, serious amounts, the idea of restraining yourself in various different aspects and ways. Uh, but the problem was they were saying that this was contingent for salvation. This was contingent for having a relationship with God. And Paul's saying, no, not harsh treatment of the body. None of these, uh, uh, they're just false humility. They're just wrong. Um, so that Paul's again addressing in strong terms that this is heresy. These are human traditions that are completely incorrect. Okay. So what do you think of chapter three? So that's chapter one, two, three. What do you think? Yeah, so three opens up, it says, think about things of heaven, not things of earth. Um, and then some supporting passages about this is Hebrews 12, Philippians 4, Proverbs 4. Um, but I think that's just a good way to be. If you're constantly bogged down with things of earth, you're going to get real depressed pretty fast. Yep. It, it would be, wouldn't be hard, <laughs> hard chore. Like, yeah. Um, so if, things of heaven, and even just Christ in general, um, you want to think about those things. Mm-hmm. So perspective. Perspective, even in, in terms of suffering and things like that. Um, we'll hopefully have a bigger conversation of suffering later down the line. Um but you can always look at things through a heavenly lens or an earthly lens and just see things, hopefully, from heaven's perspective, which isn't always possible, but we, we can do our best, okay. as Paul says. Yeah, so uh, that's an amazing verse as well. And then verse 5 talks about, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Peter? Well, I've heard some people try and say that the Bible doesn't actually talk about bad language and how we shouldn't swear. Yeah, but I just think this is an example of how it is. Like Paul wouldn't say, "Don't say the S word," because they wouldn't have the S word back then. The F word, whatever. He's just saying, 
as Christians, we should be the standard of what it is to be good. Um, yeah. Well, obviously Christ is, but we should be examples of yeah. what Christ is like. So when it says filthy language, whenever I think of like a, a movie and it's rated 15 because there's lots of swear words in it, if the world and the culture of the world is saying that's a bad thing, I'm pretty inclined to take that as they say it because their standards are usually a lot lower than the Bible's. Yeah. So that's, I mean, do you, would you agree with that, Luke? Yeah, of course. we got to understand that, as you said, the language that they have today is completely different to the language they had in 60 AD. Mm-hmm. And we do have to understand that there's a, a, a social weight that sort of determines what, what we can and can't say for various things, especially yeah. when it comes to language. For example, there's something that could have been acceptable 200 years ago that is not acceptable now with regards to swearing, for example. Yeah. And so if I want to be a good witness and I know that if I say that, that is going to be perceived um, by society's low standards as something that is not good to say. Yeah. Then uh, that's the whole idea of that. Society is then determined that that would be filthy language. Mm-hmm. And so I need to rid that uh, of myself. Um, but there's you could literally unpack that so much, but we yeah. don't have time to do well, so. Yeah. And then we've got all the other ones as well. Not to mention anger, rage, malice, slander. Like you've got these things which in themselves are hard enough not to do as well. Yeah. Um, it's very easy to get angry. And mm-hmm. I mean... People's drive, so yeah, <laughs> I think everyone needs a driver at some point. Experience, experience road rage of some kind, so yeah, there you go. And um, there's also do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. So, what do you think? Like, again, these are just yeah, just again, verses are just infused with so much. Yeah, it's hard to break down, really. Just... <laughs> Be like Christ. <laughs> be like Christ. Do not lie. Like yeah. literally, if you take that verse and you were not to do any of those things, your life would be transformative. Mm. So that's how much content is in one verse. Yeah. Uh, again, you can literally use Galatians five talks about um putting on the fruits of the spirit. Ephesians six putting on the armor of God. Again, ridding yourselves of these things and putting on that which is actually true and holy and blameless and right. Yeah. Uh, and then you go verse sixteen it says, "Let the message of Christ dwell among you." Richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit, singing to God with gratitudes in your heart. Yeah. I mean, I personally thought this was an amazing passage because there seems to be uh, doctrine so, so important. And we love, we love the Bible. But in equal measure, praise is held in such a high regard by, by God. Uh, and Paul is acknowledging this, saying that in psalms and in hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Uh, I personally can't sing, but... <laughs> Neither can I. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I, I, I think we should just enjoy to give praises to the Father and worship Him in our bodies, in, in, how, we, in how we sacrifice ourselves, in our words, and ridding ourselves of those things, as what it was talking about. But also by just singing praise to Him, because we can sing His praises all day long, uh, and we cannot sum them up. Pretty yeah. sure that's Psalm 71 that sort of alludes to that. Cool. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And then chapter three just ends up closing out about uh, some family dynamics. Um, so we'll just read them, but maybe not have too much time for discussion because these are kind of big, big topics as well. But it's just simple things that go by. It's just why su- submit to your husbands as, as it is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents and everything for this pleases the Lord. And fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. So any quick thoughts on that like, before we move on? No, again, it's just talking about uh, the, the framework that is given to us for healthy marriages and for healthy relationships with our children. Sounds good. Yeah. Um, so chapter four, it says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Yeah, so First Thessalonians 5 also reaffirms this by, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God for your life. So throughout Colossians, we've seen that there's all these Eastern orthodoxies and religions and new ideas and philosophies. And Paul constantly throughout says, uh, don't fall away to any of these and be strong in your faith. And he gives us 
uh, and equips us with how we can respond to these. And Paul talks about uh, all of these good things that we should rid ourselves of or, or bad things that we should rid ourselves of and good things that we should equip ourselves with. And in equal measure, Paul is saying just in as he closed in the last version, uh, uh, chapter three, about how we should sing praises to God and sing all day long. Again, devote yourselves to prayer and being watchful and thankful. Again, so reading God's word, praying, singing praises, these are all ways of equipping ourselves from and will help us not fall away. Yeah. Um, okay, here's here's a good verse as well. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Yeah, again, that's just reaffirms what Peter says in First Peter 3. Just always have an answer um, and make the most of every opportunity, which is like, how do you, again, how do you define even opportunity? Because like, if you want to bring the gospel up in a conversation, you can do that pretty easily. Like you can always negotiate that way. So yeah. And a bridge. And of course there, there is difficulty and we, we would like to uh, do a podcast on this about yeah. how... Uh, evangelize it's something I, I struggle with a lot so. yeah about how evangelize and, yeah. and and paul is basically saying that although it may be difficult the principal truth remains the same mm. take every opportunity yeah and i mean to me i'm trying to saturate my thinking in, in in this uh or create this type of environment whereby if i go into a shop if i go into a restaurant if i go into my work my football every opportunity i'm praying that god will give me a chance to share the hope that i have within me which Paul is encouraging us to do, encouraging the church in Colossia. Yeah, very good. And then Paul concludes by uh, just acknowledging who else the letter's to and who's in that area at the time. So he, call, he says to Luke, um, is that the same Luke that... Re- yep, me. He's yeah. talking about me. <laughs> 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 sure. No, I'm pretty sure that's Luke as in the one he actually wrote Luke. Okay. Because I'm pretty sure it says the doctor. Uh, Tychicus, uh, Orsticus, Epaph- Epaphras and uh, others uh, in the community of togetherness. Um, so it's the name game again, just trying to pronounce those Greek, Greek, you said, Greek names. Yeah, you said those names, you said those names well. Just to confirm, our dear friend, look, the doctor. Oh, so that is the same look then? So yeah, yeah it's the yeah. same, it's the same look. Well done on so those names. Yeah, it sounds like Doctor Who, the doctor. Yeah, I literally can't even say it after you've spoken, Tychicus. I would say Tychicus. Iris. Anyway, yeah. those guys, <laughs> those people, uh, again, there's the community and togetherness and unity and love and admonishment and advancing for God's kingdom and just, I just find that amazing right i yeah. think if we had that in our church today that <laughs> despite the craziness despite all these new philosophies stand firm together and yeah. advance god's kingdom together in truth together in truth yeah so that's colossians this week and um, thanks very much for listening and see you next week <laughs>